Welcome to Moving On. Here you will get expert information, tips, and most importantly, the tools to moving on to a healthy, happy, and thriving life that you want to be living. Letting go of whatever is holding you back, whether you are in an unhealthy relationship or learning how to be in a healthy one, or maybe you are in a job that you've been dying to move on from, Learn to let go of what's holding you back and become the thriving, healthy, and happy person that is inside you. Welcome to Moving On. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ace in the Hole. And today I have with me Brian Nickerson. Hey Brian. Hi Tracy. I'm super excited to have him here and let me tell you guys a little bit about him in case you have not heard of him. He is the co-founder and CEO of Magic Links. It's an award-winning full-stack influencer marketing platform and the global leader in social video commerce. Built with over 1 billion GMV and e-commerce transactions across 25,000 plus video influencers and 30 billion, wow, 30 billion views. Match Intelligence TM Magic Link Secret Sauce accurately predicts which influencers will drive the best outcomes for brands based on sales and reach goals. Under Brian's leadership, Magic Links became the first influencer technology company to become a certified B corporation, joining a forward-thinking community of only 5,000 certified B corporations globally. Nickerson earned his MBA from Harvard Business School and graduated from Dartmouth college with the Bachelor of Arts in Engineering and Economics. Prior to helping brands win big with influencer technology innovations, he helped the LA Dodgers win big as their third baseman in the minor leagues. Wow. All right. <laughs> That's quite the resume. I love that. Especially that last one. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was a Dodgers fan uh, when I was young. I when I was, I think in junior high school, I used to go to all the games because a friend of mine, their family had tickets. And so uh -huh. not to date myself, but yeah, this is in the seventies. And so I used to go to all the games with like Steve Garvey and all of, uh, mm. you know, that, that whole winning team that they had in the late seventies. Yep. Yeah. yeah. One of, <clears throat> um, a, a prized, uh, or like really special moment that I had, uh, was meeting Vin Scully uh, one morning during spring training and uh, Vin, Vin passed away recently, but he was uh, just an incredible, incredible person and baseball person. And uh, my grandmother uh, learned baseball from Vin is the way she described it. It's like hearing him talk about baseball is how she learned the sport uh, when the when the Dodgers first moved to LA from Brooklyn. So a lot of history with the franchise and it was, it was uh, yeah, a, a great experience. I love, I love that story. Yeah. He, um, he definitely left an impression. I, I was listening to something where he was reading a grocery store list and it actually sounded interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, I am super curious and I'm going to probably guess the answer even in asking the question, but as a kid, what did you want to grow up and be? I had uh, two two dreams and goals as a kid, and one was to be a professional baseball player, and the other to be an entrepreneur. Um, and that really kind of crystallized for me around eleven or twelve years old. Was there anything in particular that made you? I mean, obviously, with baseball, you probably enjoyed playing baseball, but as far as the entrepreneur part, 
um, was there something that happened at that point that made you think that? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I had an uncle uh, who was an entrepreneur um, and uh, he uh, had built uh, like apartment buildings um, and had done that in like Portland, Oregon and Albuquerque, New Mexico and Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I just kind of uh, looked up to him and, and saw the business that was kind of early in its creation at those days um, and thought it was like really interesting and exciting. Um, and my dad was a was a doctor. Um, he's retired now, but uh, for whatever reason, I silly silly of me, I thought, hey, if I'm an entrepreneur, maybe I won't have to work as hard as my dad does as a doctor. Um, <laughs> and my dad kind of laughs at me now because I, I do think I actually work harder <laughs> than he did. Um, uh, than you know, even even kind of working night shifts and those sorts of things. Uh, it's a it's a you know kind of all in uh, sport. Absolutely. Um, and I like that being called a sport, by the way. Entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many entrepreneurs would look at it that way, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I am one of those, I was a little kid and I was an entrepreneur. And so mm. I can really relate to what you're saying. I think I looked at my dad the same way. And well, my dad was working hard, but for some reason that looked good to me and I haven't figured mm. out yet. So, um, but anyway, so you're, you know, this young guy and um, obviously you went for the baseball career and what happened with the entrepreneurship at that point? Was that a someday something or were you doing that at the same time? Yeah, I think um, baseball was really all in, you know, for a, a solid kind of 12 to 14 years um, where that was, that was kind of my focus. Um, <clears throat> but I knew that those days would come to an end at some point. Um, and I had uh, six knee surgeries during during my playing career. And I think uh, those kind of all came before being drafted by the Dodgers as well. So um, I, you know, uh, in in professional sports, the line between, you know, being, a, a, you know, a major league player and, and a high minor league player is very, very fine. Um, and certainly having knee surgeries doesn't, doesn't like help close that distance. It kind of, kind of grows it. Um, and also in the Dodgers, uh, when I was playing for the Dodgers, I was, um, behind Adrian Beltre, who will be a, a first ballot, uh, hall of famer as a third baseman. So, um, it, uh, after a short period of time, the writing was kind of on the wall that I, um, you know, needed to do something else. So I think it was kind of always in the, in the background for me. And then, um, you know, I, I chose uh, er, early in my uh, both like academic life and professional life, chose experiences that I thought would be like richer for richer experiences for learning how to become an entrepreneur than they were about making like the most money uh, at any particular time. Um, and so I think that, you know, kind of helped me um, create like sea legs so that when I was ready to be an entrepreneur and make that jump, I was in a you know, hopefully a better position to, to do well uh, than some other path, but everyone takes a different path to, to, to entrepreneurship. I mean, you know, there's that kind of question of like when and where and how do you make that leap? Um, and I think it's unique to every entrepreneur. I absolutely agree. So I'm totally curious about having the experiences what did that mean in terms of, did you start businesses because you had a passion for it? Like what exactly were you looking for in those experiences? Yeah, I think, um, so from uh, baseball, for example, you, you don't learn a whole lot of real world skills in terms of like, uh, 
you know, that are instantly kind of transferable to a business sense. Uh, but you don't learn a lot of life skills. And one from my baseball days is like, <clears throat> you know, uh, in, in as a as a hitter, if you fail seven out of ten times, you hit three hundred. And if you're in the major leagues, that's good enough to make the Hall of Fame. So you're one of the best to ever do it. Um, and so I think that ability to embrace, uh, I'm kind of putting in quotes, uh, failure, um, but embrace these moments where you don't succeed as learning moments rather than as like a kind of give up and pack it in moments um, is something that I, you know, bring it into my experience every day. Um, also, you know, playing professionally, there's uh, a wide variety, people come from a wide variety of backgrounds. So uh, from the Dominican Republic, from Cuba, the Dodgers especially are a very international organization from Taiwan, from Japan. Um, so I learned how to make relationships with a number of different people with a number of different life experiences. And I think that, you know, has played through. Um, and then an early um, uh, experience I, I uh, was running a shift at a stop sign manufacturing plant. Um, mm. So that was kind of the first time I had uh, people management experience in a professional setting. Um, and the plant ran 24 seven and I was in the, the like evening shift. So it was from about two in the afternoon until midnight. Um, and so, uh, towards the end of that experience, um, I decided, you know, okay, to, to become an entrepreneur, I need to jump in, uh, kind of feet first into the pool and figure out how to swim. Um, and so I started a, 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 a company called college discount furnishings, um, which I would basically do from like, you know, eight or nine in the morning until one in the afternoon when I had to go to work. Um, and the premise was really simple. It was like, uh, basically at the end of the uh, school year uh, at the local college buy furniture as people were graduating and moving on to other things. Um, so people wanted to sell and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, um, people buying furniture um, and then store it for the summer. And then as people were moving in, um, all the students kind of need furniture. Um, you can sell it to them for a discount. Uh, and so uh, I did that for a summer and learned a lot from that experience. Wow. That is really, I love that. And so, of course, that's a great experience where you're learning. Um, what were some of the challenges that you would say it really started to shape how you were going to lead? Yeah, um, I mean, that one's a that's a great example, because I think like um, scaling and delegation were two things that I learned from that experience. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, on the scaling side, wanting to build, I wanted to build a business that had an opportunity to scale and could touch, you know, the lives ideally of millions of people. Um, and um, uh, uh, that wasn't it. <laughs> so um, it was fun, but you know, some, uh, it's it was very like hands-on, like I would rent a U-Haul truck and drive to pick up the actual, you know, pieces of furniture. And then this is like very early days of the web, but like take pictures of them and then upload it through some really simple CMS onto a website and then, you know, store and catalog it as putting it into a, into a, uh, you know, public storage unit. Um, so uh, I'm sure there's a way for that to scale, but like the, the, there would be very heavy on the ground operations in every single city uh, or every college where you could do it. So that just seemed like a big challenge and one that might not be fruitful. Um, and then in terms of delegation as well, um, uh, I made the mistake one day of, uh, well, not, I guess not mistake, but um, I had hired someone, this is a learning opportunity, <laughs> <the> mistake, <right? laughs> um, but I had uh, hired a 
a graduating college student to help me move furniture one morning. And so I rented a truck that had like four pickups of like full kind of apartment buildings that I was going to, to pick up, you know, couches and beds from. Um, and given that it was close to graduation, uh, he uh, was pretty hungover that morning. So backed out the morning of. So here I've got a, a rental truck that I've already paid for and a uh, uh, no help to move pretty heavy furniture. Um, so I asked my girlfriend at the time if she would help. Um, she uh, very reluctantly said yes and wore high heels to to oh. come help, <laughs> uh, which meant that really she you know she she couldn't help. Um, and so like in flow, I had to renegotiate with the the students who I had said, okay, we're gonna buy you know your whole apartment. I kind of showed up and said, hey, actually, I'll pay you a lower price, or or I'll I'll uh, I'll give you more money if you can help load the truck um, and so that kind of like resilience and dealing with situations as they come up um, and needing to sort of flow with whatever's there and still still get things done um, was definitely something I learned but um, yeah being able to delegate uh, you know differently is something that I said coming out of that experience mm -hmm. I said okay I, I need to I need to do this differently <laughs> I can imagine and it's not like you were providing a service only you are moving furniture. So yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty tired at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, I can, yeah. I can totally imagine. And so what is it that you would say, I mean, a couple things here, you know, when you're looking at yourself as a leader, what do you feel from times like that and coming forward has been what you would call your secret sauce? Like the thing that makes you tick as a leader, the thing that sets you apart as a leader. Yeah, um, I think, you know, one of the things that's really exciting to me about about being an entrepreneur is that the like, the day to day of being an entrepreneur is, is kind of, um, it's like the, it's like the, the fastest way for me to evolve personally. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is, usually, whatever whatever like challenge or unresolved thing within me um, is showing up in the business and in the people around me as well. And so if I'm able to resolve that, every time I've been able to do that, like the company grows and the people around me grow and like I develop and the people around me develop. Um, and, and so um, being in sort of like the hot seat where I'm constantly doing that and kind of doing it publicly. Um, and what I mean by publicly is like, in front, you know, now it's in front of other executives on my team or in front of the whole company or in front of investors or potential investors or partners um, means that you, like, I guess from a mindset perspective, I think a thing that steps, steps, sets me apart is I like embrace it as like, okay, this is, even when it's painful, it's kind of like fun. And it kind of is, it's like, it's what I want to be doing. It's it, like, I want to be evolving and making, uh, you know, Steve Jobs had a great quote, make a dent in the universe. Like I want to be doing that. And in order to do that, I have to be willing to get uncomfortable. And, and I embrace it as like a, not as something to be feared, but as something that's like kind of fun and exciting. I love that, of course, because uh, I'm all about the mindset and, <laughs> you know, and I really do believe that, Obviously, leaders set the tone for their business and the people in it, but that you're always willing to become aware and do whatever it is that makes you uncomfortable and evolve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, 
I know there's a lot of ways to be an entrepreneur and not all of them have to go that way, but at least that's, that's how that's been my path so far. And, uh, it's how I embrace it, I guess. So I have a question for you then in terms of how you make choices when it's come to, you know, the businesses that you've been involved in, um, and that you founded, what is it that makes you want to start a business? Like what, it, or I should say that particular business. Yeah. Um, my, so my route to magic links was, um, you know, I guess circuitous and not very nonlinear. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, originally we started as a coupon search engine, um, which was kind of a B2C site and it was called chipmunk. Um, and it was meant to be a kayak for coupons. Uh, so kind of help people find coupons and save money as they shop online. And then, um, with, with the kind of main traffic driver being uh, video influencers on YouTube. And this was way back in like 2012, 2013. Um, so a pretty nascent idea, particularly on the YouTube side. Um, and, and that, uh, you know, I came to that from an experience uh, that I had working for a corporation called Internet Brands um, beforehand. Um, but it was really kind of saying, hey, there's some inefficiencies in the market and let me see if we can solve some of those inefficiencies. Um, and then um, we ran into a big challenge, which is we had two competitors IPO. And so we had to uh, either, you know, pivot or or basically go go broke and go extinct. Um, and so uh, we for, like I, I think I and my co-founder did a really good job of listening to the market at that time, where even though it was very, very early YouTube days, we did hear some significant problems that YouTube creators had, uh, which is basically they're great at creating content, but don't have the time and energy and know-how to build e-commerce technology and to negotiate with, you know, hundreds or thousands of brands uh, at once um, and didn't have the power to, whereas if we could kind of bring together a lot of influencers, uh, we could also create some market dynamics that would give us, you know, better, better terms in those negotiations. Um, and so I think that's been a, a uh, you know, kind of a piece of my entrepreneurship journey is just trying to be very present and trying to listen and understand what's going on and then be, you know, bold with the moves and decisions that we make to respond to what the market is doing. Um, and in a fast changing business, you know, even now the last couple of years, like two years ago, TikTok wasn't really a part of our business or many, uh, you know, people in kind of the creator economy space. And then TikTok has exploded and now it's a huge part of our business and um, not just me, but the, the leaders on my team and kind of all throughout the company, um, we've created a culture where that's what we embrace. So even though it's a massive change, it's also something that I think our culture has adapted to really quickly is like, okay, something new is happening. Let's do something new in response and create something even better um, from that. That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I have not gone on TikTok, but my assistant has, and she's posted my mm. videos. And I had one of my videos go to over a million views. I think. It, oh I think, wow! Yeah. Are you doing yeah. a doing a dance or what? 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 Oh hit no, it? no, <laughs> no! It, it's. Uh, I have a different podcast. It uh, talks about insecure attachment issues, and mm. so I just did a few videos on that. And I, I mean, I ended up with some of them going to over a hundred thousand and and more, but. I personally, I'm just sharing this, have not gone on there. Um, <laughs> I'm almost afraid to just because I might get sucked into the vortex of watching videos nonstop, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but um go ahead so you're tiktok famous without even being on tiktok that's pretty yeah. pretty cool pretty unique it's pretty <laughs> crazy i have like forty thousand followers on there so <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I'm admitting it out on the airwaves. Oops. Wow. Your assistant deserves a big raise. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. But what's interesting to me too is how you listen. And that seems to be really your secret sauce is the listening that you do, not just to the marketplace, but to the people around you. And I don't believe all leaders you know, of companies tend to do that. Yeah, um, maybe I can give an example recently that kind of ties some of these pieces together. Um, uh -huh. uh, we uh, so we we do annually a um, high performance index uh, exercise with the company, um, and so that's a it's like a I don't know hundred questions or so that goes out to everyone in the company, um, and then creates a number of, of uh, it quantifies essentially like how well the the culture is functioning and the company is functioning and then can break it down by different departments um, <clears throat> and so i think this is the the third year in a row that we've done this um, the scores for the company and magic links overall have been you know really high each year so there's a lot to be proud of but there's also things that we see that's like okay we as a team can develop and there's there's things that we want to fix um, and so this year was exciting because a year ago, um, one of the kind of like the key thing that I chose to work on was providing more clarity to the teams. Um, and the measurement on clarity had moved up by like seven or eight percentage points over the last year. Um, and so there's a number of things that I kind of did structurally and communication wise to, to help uh, create that sense, not just with the executive team, but also kind of all the way throughout the, the organization at Magic Links. Um, and this year, again, um, really great scores, but kind of the key piece uh, or, or the one key finding that came out where we were scoring lower than others is, a, is on accountability. Um, and so obviously as the leader of the organization, there's a, a lot of that you know falls in my lap in, in a variety of different ways, um, but a way to help, like, so the way that we structured this and we have an amazing uh, head of people, Ali Greer, who's helped a couple of companies scale from a thousand or a hundred to a thousand people. So she's also like a great person I have around me to help with this. Um, but we basically did my, the, the feedback from my direct team, we set up in a way where I could not only do the learning in real time, but also kind of set an example for how we want the leaders in our org to engage with their individual organizations as they go uh, into their own teams. Um, and so we had this like really rich discussion around accountability. And I tried to bring curiosity of like, you know, where, like, is there specific things that people can share? Is there any time that people think I have done a really good job of driving accountability? So I can kind of learn from the, learn from the ways that I'm doing well and do more of that. And then also learn from ways that I or others aren't doing, you know, as strong and, and also learn from that and institute changes. Um, and most of, you know, most change starts with awareness. Um, if you don't know or don't understand that there's an issue, it's pretty hard to change it. But once you are aware of something, then, you know, sort of the energy starts to flow in a way that can create change. Um, so that's just a, I don't know, really recent example of kind of how to take this sort of like broad concept of listening and put it into something that's like both quantitative and qualitative 
and hopefully uh, like a teaching experience. So it's, so I can um, amplify the change and it's not just me, but it's also like my leadership team is helping me with that. And then they can take that, you know, down into, into their orgs and also kind of do the same thing with their people. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it also sounds like too, you're helping, um, I would say your company culture to break certain patterns of non-accountability, you know, in terms yeah. of, you know, what you're, you're showing, you're leading by example. Yep. Or trying to, I think always trying to <laughs> <laughs> having that, you know, I think it's important to have humility of like, that. I don't always have all the answers or, you know, I'm not necessarily coming at it from that perspective, but um definitely willing to like embrace openly what needs to be tackled and then find the best path forward. I love that. And so for the people that are listening, of course, I would love if you could share your three, let's say secret sauce type tips to people who are, are basically in business or just starting a business and, you know, they're trying to figure out, okay, what is my secret sauce and, you know, what do I need to do to get there? Because I think, you know, just to give you a little bit more on why I'm asking for the three tips, it's really about, you know, where people can take something and embrace it. Like you're talking about listening, you're talking about these different elements that are just so key, I believe, to having positive leadership. Um, so what would you say those three are? Oh my gosh, this is such, <laughs> such a good question, Tracy. Um, yeah, so I would, um, uh, I, I think, what I would say is uh, mindset, boldness, and impact. And maybe I can go into each of those really quickly. Yes, absolutely. Um, so um, from mindset, I think the a, a key piece, and we we think about this from a both a recruiting and kind of talent retention and growth perspective, um, is a a growth oriented mindset. Um, and a way to illustrate that is I think like improv comedy does that really well, which is like, yes, and um, yes, and is always creative. It can continue a scene in comedy. It can keep flowing. Um, the moment there's like a no or a judgment or a but um, in a in an improv scene, that scene is basically over. Um, and that's the same in a, in a startup environment. Um, and so I focus a lot on the things that I can do personally to have myself have a healthy growth oriented mindset and then how I can instill that uh, in the org and in, in, in our leadership. Um, uh, and it's kind of an abundance mindset. So it's like, if you walk into a situation and, and you, you know, one, on one hand, you can say, well, we don't have this and it'll take six months to do that. And it's really hard to do that. And no one will care about, right. Like that's one orientation, which is more of a stuck mindset. And the other can be like, oh my gosh, like, there's one influencer who's using, uh, you know, who's talking about Best Buy and they sold one product. How can we build on that? Like, what else can we do? Um, and so I think that's especially important as an entrepreneur because you're kind of constantly needing to create something out of nothing. Um, on the um, impact front, um, I think that is, you know, uh, we also kind of think about our leadership in terms of how are they creating impact? How am I creating impact? Um, and, and so that mindset has to translate into creating impact. Um, and I think of that, um, you know, for me, that kind of hits two levels. One is obviously like the business impact. Are we, is, is, is the like fruit of our mindset and our behaviors creating a win for customers who are using our tools? 
and if we can get to that point, then you have a, a kind of business that can scale and that can grow. Um, and then the second dimension of that is impact in the world. Um, and so that's a piece where I'm really excited, as you mentioned in the intro, Magic Links being B Corp certified. Um, the like why we do everything every day, I think is it's important for me. Like I want to feel good about not just what we're doing, but how we're doing it and kind of the long-term implications of the business that we have. And um, we spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and energy, uh, you know, creating. And so I want that to be a net good for the world. Um, uh, so that's that's really important for me. And I think important, you know, as an entrepreneur to get others uh, engaged and involved in your mission. Um, and then the third piece, boldness, uh, I think, you know, I think it stems from courage um, and uh, a, a willingness to take risks and to be bold and try things that haven't been done before and be willing to sort of, uh, you know, uh, if you think of, as we mentioned before, kind of, you know, entrepreneurship as a sport, like, you got to be bold enough to go out there and run around and fall down and get really dirty and then get up and keep doing it. Um, and uh, that's hard, but, um, you know, I think like great things aren't achieved uh, unless you're willing to be bold. I love that. You basically just named off uh, my company values. So thank you. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> no, seriously, it's funny. I'm going, oh, this is very interesting because I also besides working with individuals on insecure attachment, the other part mm. is working with leaders on exactly what you just said, which is awesome because I think there's, wow. more, yeah, I think more of that is needed because when you come from a scarcity mindset, you tend to make choices that are very short-sighted. You know, you're not coming from a place of there are enough resources or enough resources will become available. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. That, that's that. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I just love it. And I have really enjoyed speaking with you today. I've learned a lot. And I'm sure people listening will say the same thing. And is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap it up? Um, no, I don't think so. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks You're for hosting awesome. it. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed speaking with you and hopefully we can have you back on at some point again. We'd love to. Awesome. All right, Brian. Well, thank you. And everybody listening, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or anything, where can we find you, Brian? Um, we have uh, our, uh, on LinkedIn, um, I met Brian Nickerson. Uh, on LinkedIn, uh, founder of Magic Links, and then uh, Magic Links are social handles. We can uh, distribute these, but on uh, Instagram is probably our main one uh, at Magic Links. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we'll put that also uh, wherever you happen to find the audio, whatever platform it's on. Just look for the show notes, and that will be listed there as well. So, anyways, thank you again, Brian, and thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. For more information about Tracy and her programs and to set up a discovery session, email happiness at tracycrossley.com. That's happiness at tracycrossley.com or go to the website for more information. And thank you for tuning in to Moving On 